0: Thank you, Uh, and thank you to each of our witnesses for their testimony. Today, reminding members that committee rule three, subparagraph D, imposes a five minute limit on questions. The chair will now recognize members for any questions that they may wish to ask of these three witnesses. And I'd like to start by recognizing Mr. Grijalva of the great state of Arizona. Mr. Chairman, you are recognized for as long as you would like, but
1: preferably five minutes. I don't think that magic minute extends. to where we're at, you know, but thank you for <laughs> the gesture, I appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Assistant Secretary, uh, I was pleased to see yesterday's announcement on several uh, that several DOI agencies are issuing guidance on, on tri- tribal co-management. Co- uh, what will it mean on the ground, this co-management agreements. what, what will that mean? And uh, how will that guidance go- shape DOI's engagement with tribal communities? Um,
2: thank you, Congressman. I uh, appreciate that. It, you know, l- last fall we, uh, Secretary Holland and, and Secretary Vilsack, uh, issued the joint secretarial order on co-stewardship. Uh, but I, I think as members of the subcommittee know, um, a lot of our public lands are, are managed uh, on the ground Uh, whether in in particular agency units. And so it's important that we take the secretarial directive and make sure that it actually functions on the ground um, in each of uh, these public lands units. And so the the directives yesterday are aimed at doing that and and, uh, coming from bureau directors uh, to their teams in the field um, to make sure that they have uh, clear direction and guidance uh, from their bosses on how they're expected to coordinate with tribes and so it's a it, it's it's the next step uh in making sure that uh we're fulfilling the secretary's directive uh from last fall's secretarial order
1: thank you and uh madam president thank you for your testimony and thank you for for the work uh the ongoing work and hopefully uh, in the not too distant future we'll be able to uh, present a product of that work in terms of codifying consultation. Uh, and I look forward to our continued work on that and And, and, and thank your staff heartily on my behalf for their contributions. Um, one of the issues, one of the things that's presented on the two pieces of legislation that you talked about that somehow in the process of doing this that we're taking something away, that that prerogatives on that land are being taken away, or for that matter, the essence of what uh, people see as federal land is being taken away, Uh, whether it's multi-use argument or the accessibility argument, but that something's being taken away. From the perspective of uh, the organization you represent, how do you respond to that?
3: Yes. Will. Uh, thank you, Congressman, and thank you for your leadership on our continued uh, working relationship to implement consultation. And I truly appreciate your uh, hard work and collaboration leadership on that. Uh, with respect to your question, Uh, our our response to that is land repatriation is is something that we have have valued we have historical ties we may have ceded millions of acres of land through treaty but we've never relinquished our spiritual connection to those lands and that spiritual connection that we have is the foundation uh, of our governance of our teachings, and our way of managing. So when we think about uh, creating opportunities for us to acquire lands, repatriate lands, or empower our voices and how those are managed, it's returning to those cultural ways that have existed for millennia, for thousands of years here in the United States, long before there was a country. And so we bring to this conversation uh, thousands of uh, years of knowledge and wisdom and, and leadership and guidance, and it only enhances uh, the, the landscape so that future generations will know what our, the beauty and treasures of our land were long before uh, there was a, a country here.
1: Thank you, and uh, yeah, thank you. Governor, thank you very much, my friend, for uh, joining us uh, on the legislation that you spoke to, the, the, uh, the Gila Ben. Uh, Legislation, the the great, I uh, on that landscape. Explain the significance. I think uh, elaborate from your perspective what it means. You know, Arizona and Southern Arizona, the whole state's going through a drought crisis, a water crisis, and when we're talking about this, people uh, the some make the conclusion that there is another priority. Uh, but I want to, I think there's a relationship between this legislation and drought mitigation and and ecological restoration of those areas, particularly the groundwater issue. Uh, Can you reflect from your perspective what else uh, you see beyond the drought or to elaborate about uh, what effect this legislation will have on the whole decision making that has to happen in our state that isn't occurring uh to deal with this crisis
4: chair chairman thank you uh so much for this you know we we, we trace back as i said uh if not millennia since time time immemorial our sacred connection to what we call our autumn juvent our land our autumn should our water we consider ourselves caretakers and stewards of this Land and, and natural resources that Mother Earth has has, has gifted to us uh, for our next generation. As you can see, this is one of our our uh, managed aquifer recharge sites in the back. And and if you can see behind me is my son. And so we are caretakers for these next generations, and uh, for this knowledge that we carry with us, this value system of, of, in our culture and our and our history. Um, you know, we're innovators. We're resilient people. We've had to be uh, since uh, the, the coming uh, over 500 years uh, of of successive waves waves of colonization. And truly, uh, a Congressman, this tribal commission uh, in regards to HR 8719 uh, is is unprecedented and historic to have a tribal commission uh, to provide the guidance. Uh, for how these lands uh, are 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 co-managed uh, with the federal government. This uh, this recognizes tribal sovereignty. This recognizes uh, our traditional ecological knowledge. Um, and and when we are at the table, uh, Chairman and members of the committee, we bring solutions uh, in uh, this this historic the, the worst drought in over 1,200 years. Thank- uh, uh, chairman, we, 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 when given the opportunity, we can bring innovative solutions and hopefully this is an opportunity.
1: Thank you. Thank uh, you, Mr. Chairman, I appreciate the indulgence. Of course,
0: uh, um, the chair now recognizes ranking member Fulcher for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
5: Questions for Mr. Newland, please. Mr. Newland, the administration's testimony submitted through USDA cited there was at least 16 existing statutes and five executive orders, secretarial orders, memorandum of understanding that give the USDA and the Department of Interior extensive authority to either collaborate with tribal governments or protect sacred tribal sites. So given the extensive suite of authorities that are already there, does the Department of Interior feel the legislation before us is truly necessary to protect sacred sites or partner with tribal governments on land management
2: issues? Thank you for the question, ranking member. Um, As uh, indicated in our testimony, we support the overarching goals of HR 8109. um, And happy to work with the subcommittee and and, uh, sponsors on uh, refining the language. I'll note from uh, President Sharp's testimony, she remarked that those existing laws do leave a gap um, when it comes to the protection of tribal cultural resources. And uh, it's often the case that when tribes are working with federal agencies, um, they have to shoehorn their interests into some of these laws because they don't neatly fit. And so I do believe, uh, ranking member, that there's value in having an explicit uh, designation. Okay, so if if I may then, so could you name an area
5: on public land where currently the federal government would not have the authority to act if tribal cultural sites such as Native American human remains or significant archaeological sites were threatened. Can you identify an area where the Federal Government would not have the ability to act?
2: Ranking Member, I can't give you an example this morning of uh, any particular area uh, okay. in response to your
5: question. All right. So that's, that was kind of what I was concerned about, is, is uh, if we are if we're trying to bring some solutions in search of a problem here. Uh, Follow-up question, Mr. Newland. In the the finding section of Chair Grijalva's Tribal Cultural Areas Protection Act, it asserts that the federal government has allowed from commercial development transfer of federal lands that has resulted in the mismanagement and desecration of sacred sites and looting of sacred objects and burial sites. Do you know or can you tell us how many acres of federal lands were sold or disposed of by Department of Interior last year? And how many of those acres may have included sacred sites or burial sites?
2: Uh, ranking member, I believe the number of acres sold um, in, in 2021 was uh, over 150,000 acres. I'll have to uh, uh, ask the uh, uh, subcommittee's permission to make sure I uh, follow up and verify, but I believe that's the correct number. And do you know if any of those uh, acres included sacred sites or burial sites? I do not. Uh, I can't say with any certainty. If that's something I could ask you to please
5: follow up on. I would sure. be very interested to know the answer to that. I'd like to go to uh, President Sharp before my time runs out. President Sharp, your testimony cites an NCAI resolution on transferring federal lands to tribal trust. In HRD 109, the Cultural Tribal Areas Protection Act, it sets up an elaborate process to designate sacred tribal sites and federal lands and would promote tribal management, but ultimately these areas remain under federal ownership. In some ways, this is in conflict with advancing tribal parity on the Public Land Act. And so I just want to clarify, you do support creating new designations for er these areas over just the tribal governments having transfer direct ownership to them?
3: Uh, To be clear, uh, tribal nations would prefer that we own lands outright, but we recognize that this is a process of repatriating centuries of, of land alienation, and so both of these are necessary in order for us to, to repatriate our, our lands fully. We know that there's federal uh, interests, we know that there are public interests, and we recognize and value Congress's need to balance those interests. But from our perspective, absolutely, 100% repatriation of lands that were stolen and lost, uh, we, that is our priority. Do you
5: see this as a stepping stone towards that over the course of time? Is that is that your intention? Uh,
3: I would see it as a a complementary process to an existing framework. Uh, We we want to exercise governance and be able to have a voice and bring the value. Uh, To Congressman Grahalva's point, what Interesting. Yes, so—
0: Very interesting. All right. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Chairman, yield back. Thank you. The gentleman yields back. The chair now recognizes the gentleman from Hawaii, Mr. Case.
6: Thank you. Thank you very much, um, Mr. Chair, Mr. Chair, Ranking Member, Witnesses. I appreciate being with you this, here this morning. Let me start by saying that I fully support all three of these uh, bills. I, I completely agree um, that uh, we do have to take these additional steps, should take these additional steps to fully preserve the historic, cultural, religious patrimony of the Indigenous peoples of our country. So I am all in on the bills. I am here for Native Hawaiians today. Uh, because, in all honesty, I have a sense of frustration uh, that these bills, uh, for whatever reason, uh, do not encompass Native Hawaiians. Um, This has been um, an effort throughout the last couple of Congresses. And I feel like I have had to come uh, to this committee, my committee, uh, and to um, the Native American, Alaska Native uh, communities and to the Department of the Interior uh, too many times now uh, to say, well, You know, these are all great ideas, but what happened to Native Hawaiians? Um, And so I'd just like to do a little refresher course here. Native Hawaiians are the Indigenous peoples of our country whose origins are in Hawaii. They fit every category of Indigenous peoples. Uh, President Sharp, to your testimony, they have a special relationship with the land. Um, They have a special relationship with the federal government. Um, They have their own land. Um, that is that comes from the federal government, and by the way, all land in Hawaii originated with the Kingdom of Hawaii and previously with the prior incarnations of the Kingdom of Hawaii. Um, all federal land in Hawaii um, originates with the Kingdom of Hawaii. It just transferred to this federal government at annexation. Um, we have um, Native Hawaiian organizations in Hawaii that are the equal of any Native American or Alaska Native uh, organization anywhere. The Office of Hawaiian Affairs uh, now has a a net asset position of uh, three-quarters of a billion dollars. So this is a real community. And they have all of the same concerns and questions with the maintenance and protection of their patrimony. Mention was made of petroglyphs at the Gila River. We have petroglyphs. We have Uh, we have, um, um, you know, archaeological sites that are threatened right now uh, because they're not uh, not under fully under Native Hawaiian uh, control, um, and so we need the same things um, that this bill provides for Native Hawaiians. And and the, uh, unfortunately, the pattern too much of the time has been Native Hawaiians are a little bit of an afterthought, and so the Native Hawaiian community and others have to come forward and and basically include them. We have had this debate, uh, this Congress with the RESPECT Act for basic federal consultation. We think we have worked that out. We are having it right now with the Truth and Healing Commission for the Indian boarding schools. We had Indian boarding schools in Hawaii and yet Native Hawaiians are not part of the proposed commission. That is inexcusable. Um, we um, welcome uh, Secretary Holland's, um decision to, to include a specific Native Hawaiian channel in co-stewardship of Federal lands. So, so here is the bottom line. I just am I, really tired of having to come back and try to include Native Hawaiians all of the time. And so that is a little bit of I am just putting it on the table here. I don't want to do this anymore. I want, I want bills to come before us that include Native Hawaiians when they talk about Native Americans and Alaska Natives. Native Hawaiians are there too. And if there need to be special you know, adjustments for Native Hawaiians, that is great. We have had Forty plus years of great partnership where we have helped American Indians and Native Alaskans, and vice versa, and we 've all been in this together so so that's, that's a prelude to a pretty straightforward question, uh, and I 'll start with you, Mr. Newland. Is there any policy reason whatsoever why Native Hawaiians could not enjoy the same benefits uh, uh, of these bills as is proposed for American Indians and Alaskan natives? Uh, uh,
2: Congressman. Uh, as it, as it relates to the uh, spiritual and religious practices and the cultural values of the, of the landscapes in Hawaii to native Hawaiian people, um, certainly there's a, there's a desire to protect those interests um, and make sure that we're being uh, respectful
6: of uh, uh, those religious practices. Okay, so there's no policy reason to to exclude Native Hawaiians from the from the provisions of these bills, the proposals. So, in other words, very specific now, to the tangible protection of Native Hawaiian patrimony on federal lands. That's what this these bills mm-hmm. are about, right? Yes. Is there any reason to distinguish between American Indians, Alaska Natives, and Native Hawaiians from that perspective, I,
2: uh, Congressman? I, I think, to the extent that the the language in the uh, in the bill. Uh, refers to federally recognized tribes and tribal governments that is that's based upon their unique legal status, which is different from the uh, present-day legal status of Native Hawaiians. But as it relates to the uh, cultural and religious uh, interests and values, uh, those are very similar.
6: OK. My time is up. I will submit the, uh, the, the request for the same question and answer with you, President Sharp. I would note that we have solved that federal recognition issue in lots of other bills. So I don't think that is a good enough reason. Okay. Thank you very much. We will follow up. I yield back. gentleman yields back, and we thank the gentleman for his passionate
0: advocacy. The Chair will now recognize Mr. Obernolte from California. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
7: Uh, Mr. Newland, I have a question for you. I represent a very rural district uh, and a district that has one of the largest prevalences of wildfire in the country, so uh, it is something that I uh, am continually concerned about. Uh, You testified in support of H.R. 8109. And one of the things in that bill that I have a concern with is that it it would establish substantial barriers to vegetation management to prevent wildfires. Uh, You also submitted written testimony on H.R. 8719 that would apply a wilderness designation to additional 60,000 acres in Arizona. Uh, Do you share my concern that those provisions of those bills would make it more difficult for the department to, uh, to manage wildfire risk in those areas?
2: Thank you, Congressman. As, as it relates to 8109, um, I believe that that's something that could be addressed. I think that tribes have the uh, share the same interests in preventing uh, catastrophic wildfires.
7: Uh, okay, I mean, th- there's a section of the bill that says that vegetation management permitted shall be subject to regulations, policies, and practices uh, and only necessary to protect or maintain our enhanced tribal cultural areas, right? So, I mean, you, you can understand why my concern would be uh, elicited by that. Uh,
2: I do, Congressman. I, I, I'll add that we, we support the overall goal of making sure that, there's, that we have the tools uh, to protect uh, the unique interests of tribes and indigenous people in these landscapes um, and are willing to work through uh, some of the technical aspects of the legislation uh, to address things like this. I, I, I'll reiterate, I visited uh, California this summer in the, the Tule River uh, Reservation in the Central Valley and and uh, saw the impacts of, of drought and, and wildfire and, uh, near the reservation and, and was also impressed by their work, uh, despite all that, too, uh, protect the uh, sequoia forests on the reservation, and, and no, I think
7: try. to be clear, though, sir, mm-hmm. uh, what I'm concerned about is that these bills don't give tri- even the tribes the ability to manage the wildfire risk on these in these uh, areas. Well, let me give a specific example. So, uh, H.R. 8719, which applies a wilderness designation to 60,000 acres in Arizona. Uh, would restrict the use of some of the practices for managing wildfire risk that have been successful in other places in the country and i'll give you a very poignant example just from this last week in my district we had a fire ignite in the southern edge of my district the radford fire uh... actually came within a couple of thousand of feet of the community that i live in And uh, I'll, I'll tell you that's a pretty poignant experience to watch you know a flame front advancing towards your house uh, i had a discussion with the incident commander in which he told me that had the community, the National Forest System, Cal Fire, and local fire agencies, had they not invested in the last couple of years in efforts such as mechanical thinning, uh, some prescribed burning, the uh, creation of fire breaks, and the, the, uh, the cutting of some access roads, had that not been done, they would not have been able to stop that fire, and my house would be a pile of ash today. So I mean, you can understand why I'm so concerned about that, sir. None of those activities are permitted in wilderness areas. So, so you know, you can see why I'm concerned about the fact that locking up an additional sixty thousand acres with a designation that prohibits those kinds of fire risk management activities, uh, you know, would be concerning. So, uh, do, do you share those concerns?
2: It- With respect to um, 8719 and the the specific characteristics of of the proposed Gila Bend area, I would have to defer to my colleague from BLM. But I I can say, Congressman, overall, and as it relates to 8109, um, I think tribes share the same interests uh, that uh, you're articulating uh, this morning. And we would be happy to to work with the subcommittee on how to account for that to make sure that there's um, uh, proper fire management and uh, collaboration in the in the stewardship and protection of those lands.
7: All right. Well, I mean, I think we all share on this subcommittee the a common goal of uh, of uh, making sure that uh, the tribes have access to those lands and a, a voice in managing those lands. But and we all share the goal of wanting to be good conservatives of our public lands. But you now the problem is we don't want to create restrictions that explicitly disallow the kind of activities that have been successful in managing wildfire risk be it for the tribes or for anyone else and those are the concerns that i have with these bills but i
0: thank you for your testimony i yield back mr chairman gentleman yields back chair now recognizes Ms. DeGette for five minutes if she's with us virtually
8: thank you very much mr chairman uh, and thank you for having this hearing we heard today about how efforts to protect cultural resources will also protect the conservation and ecological values of the lands. And so I wanna ask you, Mr. Newland, how does the protection of cultural sites and the incorporation of traditional knowledge fit into the administration's vision for equitable conservation and land management?
2: Thank you for that that question. Uh, We are working to make sure that we are incorporating indigenous knowledge uh, into Uh, the knowledge base that that we use for land management practices that's a big part of our our co-stewardship work and and I I think if you'll allow me just one more moment to to build upon that um, it's important uh, that we explain that co-stewardship is not simply a benefit to Indian people um, or for Indian people it's actually a benefit for the American people because it allows us to take advantage of that experience uh and that knowledge built up over centuries and millennia and include that in our federal land management practices so as the the example i was referencing earlier in my visit um, uh to the Tulare River Indian Tribe in, in California to see how their work within their reservation um, was successful in in guarding against the catastrophic wildfire that would have destroyed these ancient uh trees uh, on the reservation, that's those are the types of knowledge and practices that um, we can incorporate into our work at the department through these co-stewardship agreements.
8: Yes, I, I agree with that. And uh, that kind of leads me to my next question and it also refers back to what Mr. Obernoke was talking about with wilderness areas, because um, everyone on the committee knows I've been working for over two decades to protect some of the most ecologically rich wilderness in my home state of Colorado with the Canyon Country Bill, uh, the Colorado Wilderness Act. But these lands are also the ancestral homes of indigenous people. There's Papoose Canyon and Ponderosa Gorge that were inhabited by the Puebloan people. And there's little book cliffs and um, others. I was two summers ago, I was in little book cliffs riding around on a horse looking at the area. And we just came upon so many artifacts and, um, and, and different kinds of, of remnants. So my question is, how can the system that's created by HR 8109 work along with existing land management designations like wilderness areas?
2: Sorry, Congresswoman, Could you repeat Sorry, the question, Mr. Newland? Yeah.
8: Yeah. So, so there's many areas, both in the chairman's bill and in other bills, like my Colorado Wilderness Act, that have certain land designations, wilderness areas, wilderness study areas, but yet they have strong, um, strong artifacts and remnants of, of of these um, uh, ancient people. So the question is. How can we work? make sure we work together with the tribes as we protect these very important cultural areas, but also some of the uh, wilderness areas and the other designations?
2: Well, again, I, I think uh, there's been a lot of discussion this morning about tribal consultation. That's something that uh, we are working on across the department and really across the administration. So as we're making... Uh, decisions on on land use management or designation that we're doing it uh, in consultation uh, with tribes and, and uh, this co-stewardship initiative uh, through the joint secretarial order uh, is aimed at making sure we're bringing tribes into the uh, actual uh, management uh, discussions uh, for these uh, for these land units.
8: Yeah, and you know, Mr. Nolan let me just say, and and I think you don't even have to answer this, but um, but the, the tribes, and you pointed this out, they've been dealing for centuries with wildfire management on these lands. And I, I, I kind of resent it when some of my colleagues from other parts of the country just have a blanket objection to wilderness because of fire protection, because in many of the areas, like in my bill and, and in Arizona where the chairman lives, uh, the real issue is protection of these very fragile areas Fire management is important, but it can be done within the constraints of the various designations. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I will yield back.
0: The gentleman yields back. The chair now recognizes Mr. Gomert for five minutes if he's with us virtually. All right, Uh, the chair will now recognize Ms. Ledger-Fernandez for five minutes. The chairwoman of uh, the Indigenous. <laughs> thank you so very much,
9: Chair Neguse. And thank you to our witnesses. It's nice to see you again, uh, Assistant Secretary Newland. And I really want to give uh, much gratitude to Chair Grijalva's extensive work on these bills to support tribes' management of cultural landscapes and sacred sites. You know, these efforts uh, complement uh, and will provide the congressional support that's needed. Um, to support the executive order and this desire that we hear, I think universally expressed to Im- incorporate and build upon and learn from uh, traditional uh, uh, environmental knowledge, ecological knowledge. Right? There's there's so much there. In New Mexico, uh, the protection and management of cultural sites is one of the most sided issues when I am out visiting with the Pueblos, Apaches, and Navajos that comes up over and over again. Um, That's why I introduced my Safeguard uh, Tribal Objects of Patrimony Act to make sure that patrimony is not stolen and taken out of the country and also to get our Tribal uh, TIPOs more support in the uh, Tribal Historic uh, Preservation Officers, the support they need. But, you know, what we also have happening in New Mexico is vandalism at, uh, at federal sites. Uh, we've heard, uh, you've, I'm sure, heard about the petroglyphs at La Cieneguilla, uh, the vandalism, the defacement that happened there. Uh, just three, three, three acts within one year. Um, we've seen vandalism at Bandelier National Monument. And these are horrific acts of vandalism with swastikas, pentagrams, and ethnic slurs. Uh, so Mr. Newland, would you first uh, share what you and your colleagues are doing to combat crimes uh, to tribal cultural resources? Um, can you share that with us? And are you, I'm sure you're going to say that you're going to commit the agency to dedicate all of, its, all of its resources to make sure that we don't see a continuation of these kinds of uh, acts of vandalism.
2: Of course. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Congresswoman. It's great to see you as well. Uh, You know, one of the things that we want to do across our land management agencies um, is to make sure that we are building that relationship um, with tribal governments um, that allows for this type of collaboration. Um, Historically, at the department, there there was often an over-reliance on the Bureau of Indian Affairs to uh, do the Indian stuff, work with tribes. Um, And one of the um, great things that I've seen uh, happening under this administration and and with Secretary Holland's leadership is a a real buy-in from the other land management agencies at the department to build those relationships. And that will help uh, in the protection of these sacred places. Uh, Tribes are often reluctant uh, to share Uh, information about uh, cultural resources with federal agencies Um, so you know going back to your question one of the things that that we're doing is building that trust across these agencies not just within the BIA I think that's evidenced by the um, uh, guidance put out yesterday through the Park Service and Fish and Wildlife Service so that's a big area and of course the the law enforcement investigations and responses to, to those are a big part of it
9: Thank you. President Sharp. uh, in your testimony you discussed how American Indian and Alaska Native peoples have place-based communities and that their stories, uh, uh, relationships, they're structured on the landscape, right? And while the United States, as we know, broke many treaties, the United States could not break tribal cultural ties to their historic homelands. And I think this sort of highlights the importance of having bills that protect that. Um, and, you know, you've heard me talk about what happened in New Mexico at these sites. Can you sort of help us describe how these bills, uh, 8108 and 8109, would help improve protection of all these sites, how you see that actually working on the ground?
3: Yes. Uh, I, the way I see it working on the ground, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. We do have this uh, th- this timeless connection, spiritual connection to the landscape. And, Uh, We even, with with the discovery of uh, sacred objects and and things within our own territory, we, we oftentimes lack the capacity to really do the necessary work. To identify, protect, and secure uh, those resources, and so bills like this will will support our efforts to not only repatriate and, and secure and protect uh, objects within our, our already designated reservations, but to do that in a holistic way because we have lost much, and and we are building capacity to to uh, as as you said, the tribal historic preservation offices, and so it, it's it's a natural way in, in uh, a government-to-government relationship to work with the United States uh, to, to uh, repatriate all of these objects that have been lost over time. So it's really complementary to the work that we're already doing.
9: Thank you. My time has expired, and I yield back.
0: The yields back. The chair now recognizes Mr. Tiffany. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, Mr. Newland,
10: Newland, in your testimony, you mentioned that the region of South Central Arizona um, or is one of the fastest growing areas in the nation. Recognize that's been going on for a couple decades. Uh, this bill, or the bill HR 8719, would create two national conservation areas and add thousands of acres of wilderness. Do you see these designations and restrictions as hampering that growth and development?
2: Um, I don't believe so, Congressman. No.
10: So, taking additional land out of um, the possibility of utilization um, will not restrict that growth.
2: My understanding, Congressman, is that these lands are already under federal ownership, um, but I would uh, defer to my colleague from uh, BLM to confirm that. If uh, he's appearing with me virtually,
10: I think we've
2: I think we've seen um, across the country, you
10: know, whether it's um, out in California, Bay Area, places like that, as we've seen uh, very restrictive zoning or whatever means is necessary to um, shut land down from being able to be utilized. It's actually driven up the cost of housing. And what is one of the number one challenges for young people these days? It is being able to afford uh, a new home. And uh, I think the generation of our chairman who is here with us today, they fully understand how expensive it has become and why do they sometimes end up in their parents' basements In the proverbial kid in the parents' basement is because they can't afford um, being able to purchase land. Um, I think the National Home Builders came out with some stats that said that 25 percent of the cost of building a new home now is soft costs. It's made it much more expensive to be able to build a home And um, as we shut down more land, um, do we continue or do we exacerbate that problem? Um, Does the administration, Mr. Newland, do they um, uh, support an increase in the use of renewable technologies, in particular wind and solar? Yes. So um, under this bill, it removes um, multiple use. Uh, how does this advance being able to um, have these renewable technologies that are so dependent on more minerals being produced um, uh, to be able to advance these technologies? How does this bill help with that goal?
2: But I think, Congressman, there's, there has to be a balance between conservation and, and development. Uh, we believe that this particular bill, uh, is uh, part of that, that overarching goal. And I, uh, the president and the administration have been clear about uh, supporting the need for uh, increasing access to the materials we need for renewable energy and, and uh, uh, manufacturing of semiconductor chips uh, here in the United States. And uh, we are working to balance all of these interests.
10: But this does the opposite. You said that the administration, and they have said those words. You are correct. They have said that they want to provide more access. This does the opposite. This provides less access. So is that striking the balance?
2: Again, uh, Congressman, I I believe that in this particular case, um, uh, with the designations contemplated in this bill, um, is is a part of finding that balance between conservation and protecting these special places, uh, and also advancing the nation's goals to um, meet the climate crisis and and, uh, develop the technologies that will help us do that.
10: Well, as we've seen in this committee, um, it doesn't matter where it is. um, Every place is deemed a special place in America, every square inch in terms of um, producing those minerals. Um, They have been fought every step of the way. Um, throughout this uh, subcommittee and this committee's hearings, uh, President Sharp, um, uh, I'm assuming the tribes that you represent—they believe in that goal also of we wanting to advance at renewable technologies. Absolutely, yes. Basically, the same question: How do we get there if we continue to take more land out of multiple use and including mineral extraction?
3: Well, I think we need to start uh, foundationally. There's a finite. Uh, amount of land in this country and within that finite pie we have to prioritize sacred and special places that have existed for millennia first and foremost then we can look at these other priorities because these are special connections that have been lost And as we renegotiate our future and acquire those, we are finding that we not only protect and preserve the landscape for native people, but for the United States and quite frankly, to be leaders in the world on ensuring that we have a trajectory where we balance a way of life, human way of life, where we're not um, commercializing, exploiting, or in any other way, uh, gaining profit off of our lands. That's what's critical, and and that's restoring. So yes, we do believe in renewable energy, but we also believe land is sacred, and we have a duty, a sacred duty to protect it.
10: Is there any place in
0: America that it's safe to mine? Uh, 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 Just one moment. I'm gonna let you answer the question, but we're out of time here, so you can go ahead and proceed if you (laughs) want.
3: Yes. I would say that there are places, and as I said, um, the United States is a very powerful country and, and has grown to be an economic powerhouse globally because of certain activities. But we have to, as uh, Assistant Secretary said, balance those interests. And so I do believe that there are places, uh, but that is is a decision with the United States, when it comes to our interests, the United States must respect and protect our interests. What you do with the rest of that pie, you have a duty and a sworn duty to uphold treaties and protect the relationship. But you also have discretion in the other parts of the pie, and we respect that.
10: And we have not heard that on this committee throughout this session of the uh, Mr. Congress. Mr. To Mr. Be Tiffany, mine anywhere. Mr.
0: Tiffany, we, I, let. You go over my time. Thank you very much.
10: I will conclude my remarks. I yield back.
0: The gentleman yields back. Uh, The chair will now recognize himself just briefly uh, for a moment. Uh, I would say, first, thank you to the witnesses. I know we have one more member who is going to ask some questions of this particular panel. Uh, I do want to say, just to my colleague uh, on the uh, other side of the aisle's point, uh, I am humbled by his uh, identification of me as part of a newer generation, notwithstanding the gray hairs that I have developed during my time in Congress, um, I would say I certainly agree with his point more broadly around the need for us to invest in affordable housing and, and uh, the challenges that are faced by millennials and, and uh, younger generations in our country in terms of being able to acquire their a home. Uh, with respect to the particular bill that the Chairman has brought forward today in regards to uh, wilderness, uh, the, the Yila Um, Bend Conservation Area, HR 8719. I thought it would just be helpful by way of context. I've never been there. Of course, I look forward to visiting the Chairman's District uh, in in, in the coming years, but I thought it would be helpful to read a bit from the BLM's website about this particular conservation area, which I have not yet had the privilege of, of visiting. But just to give a sense for those who might be listening in, this region Uh, Is an ecosystem abounding with plant and animal diversity. A canyon section known as the Yela Box is composed of patchy mesquite woodlands, mature cottonwoods, sandy beaches, impressive cliffs towering more than 1,000 feet above the Yela River. Bighorn sheep commonly spotted. Uh, Bonita Creek, a key tributary of the Yela River, is lined with large cottonwoods, sycamores, and willows. Uh, The wildlife viewing area provides a bird's eye view of the canyon below. Uh, there are a network of primitive roads that provide hours of backcountry adventure for four-wheel drive and mountain, bi- uh, mountain bike uh, trekkers. Uh, rock art and cliff dwellings show evidence of the occupation of this important perennial stream by earlier inhabitants. That does not sound like a place where, you know, we would be building a, uh, a massive apartment building uh, to address some of the uh, uh, housing challenges that we might have or, or you know, housing density uh, that I think some folks might, Uh, be interested in building. This clearly is an area that merits protection, uh, which is precisely why it has been afforded some protection already uh, under federal law and why the chairman uh, is championing this measure to go a step further. So uh, I think that uh, the pursuit of affordable housing and protection of our most sacred places in this country are not mutually exclusive. I think we can do both. And we've gotta make sure that we find that right balance. So with that, uh, I will yield back the balance of my time I will now recognize, uh, unless there is a Republican member on our side of the aisle, I will recognize Mr. Tonko for five minutes. gentleman from New York.
11: Thank you, Mr. Chair, uh, for (laughs) pulling this hearing and for the good work that you do, and to our panel of witnesses for joining us and sharing your expert testimony. I am proud to represent the capital region of New York, where I have seen the incredible value of cultural heritage sites that preserve regional history, instilling a strong sense of place in local communities and provide individuals with a place to gather and reflect. However, for far too long, tribes have not seen their histories reflected in heritage sites across our country and had a voice in uh, or, or had a voice in how these sites are uh, indeed managed. Despite the painful fact that these sites were built on tribal lands and that many continue to hold invaluable tribal artifacts, natural features and stories. That is why I am proud to co-sponsor the Tribal Cultural Areas Protection Act before us today to begin to right this historic wrong. Uh, So, Mr. Newland, how is the Department of the Interior working to integrate tribal heritage protections into existing management units and how will the legislation that is before us today support and uh, indeed strengthen these efforts?
2: Thank you, Congressman. The biggest and and most important way that we're carrying out that work right now is under the Secretary's uh, joint order with uh, the Secretary of Agriculture on co-stewardship and collaboration with tribes and uh, that was built out yesterday with announcements from other agencies at the department to put that into action on the ground. Um, Going forward under under this legislation, one of the things um, I want to make sure that I I mention is that... uh, President Sharp discussed in her testimony that there's despite the fact that there are many existing federal designations and laws to protect heritage and historical sites that there's, a, there's often a gap and that tribes are uh, forced to try to fit their interests into uh, existing laws that don't neatly fit their interests. And I, I had to go through that as, as tribal leader myself before I did this job. One of the things that this bill would do is account for the unique interests of tribes. And one of those unique interests is that the cultural values of many of these landscapes is not in the past. It's a present day value. Um, and it, it, and I, I, can, I can give many examples, but uh, where I come from in, in Northern Michigan, um, black ash trees are disappearing because of invasive species. Um, and black ash wood is important to a lot of cultural activities uh, wild rice harvest is important to the uh, carrying out of uh, ceremonies today in, in modern times as well as providing healthy food for, for tribal members today and so HR 8109 would account for the unique uh, cultural interests that tribes have in these landscapes today not only their historic uh, value, and their value in their value in the tribes history and retelling of its own story on earth but in the work that Indian people do on the land today. And, that's, and, and uh, I would never call myself a handyman, but I know that uh, having the right tool is important to doing the job, and we have many different designations we can use, but this is explicit, 8109 for tribes, and we support that goal, and to the extent we have to refine that language in that bill, we're happy to do that.
11: Thank you. Thank you for your insight. And Ms. Sharp, do you believe there is an opportunity to improve the uh, protection of these non-federal sites? Just how can uh, the bills today serve as a model for what works?
3: Yes, uh, thank you. I absolutely um, believe that they can serve as a model. And, and I guess if I, I mean, just in response to your question spontaneously, uh, I think adding the, the the recognition and deference of tribal a uh, traditional historic ecological knowledge. I mean, that deference is given, but creating uh, meaningful ways in which we can bring that in, in a wide range of, of points of entry, if you will, to enhance this work. Uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to make that connection, but to be able to do it in a meaningful way uh, that both supports us, as I mentioned, we are building capacity uh, to identify those, but that that's a couple of ideas I would offer. Thank you for the question.
11: I appreciate both of you uh, sharing your, uh, your insight. It is important for us to be sensitized to uh, uh, all of the, uh, the neglect, if we can call it that, uh, of the past and move forward with a sound uh, plan for progress and uh, incorporating the, uh, the thoughts for the tribal communities.
0: Thank you so much. And with that, Mr. Chair, I yield back. The yields back. I want to thank the witnesses for their valuable testimony and the members for their questions. Uh, we will now transition to our third panel. Uh, you are both uh, free to leave. Thank you again for being here today. Uh, we, uh, As with the first two panels, oral statements are limited to five minutes, but your entire statement will be made Part of the hearing record, when you begin, the timer will start. It'll turn orange when you have one minute, remaining in red when your time has expired. As the other uh, remaining witnesses, rather, come to the table, uh, I'll go ahead and yield to the ranking member for a unanimous consent request.
5: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I have a unanimous consent request. In regard to a letter I'd like to submit for the record, Arizona State uh, Land Department has uh, submitted a letter in regard to the Great Bend of Gila Conservation Act. And they, they point out the the uh, creation of two distinct conservation areas and the conflict between the federal and the state management component. And I think that is important as well as just understanding that we have a difference of opinion in what the word protection means because we have been, uh, and President Sharp and, and others have talked about how this needs to be protected, but where we truly believe, and there is another viewpoint, that by isolating it, it's not protecting it, it's actually endangering it from things like wildfire. So Mr. Chairman, I'd like to submit unanimous consent the Arizona Land Department uh, letter for the record, please.
0: Without objection, so ordered. The chair will now recognize, uh, oh, I suppose our two witnesses will be appearing virtually. Uh, The remaining witnesses, great. So the chair now recognizes uh, Ms. Tina Marie Osceola, Tribal Historic Preservation Officer for the Seminole Tribe of Florida for five minutes.